podcast is brought to you by Welcome to another edition of Watch This or Die podcast, your weekly fix for quality movie recommendations. I'm Scott Crowshar. And I'm Matt LaPlante. And we will be your hosts on this cinematic voyage. Now, it is our goal every week to recommend to you a movie that we not only fucking love, but one that we're pretty damn sure you will too. So over the next 100 minutes or so, we're going to do our very best to convince you to go and check out this movie like your life depends on it. Now, without further ado, the movie that we are recommending to you this week is Under the Skin. So you live alone? Yes. You think I'm pretty? I like a gorgeous. Come to me. When was the last time you touched someone? Beware of attractive women in vans that want to pick you up and take you to their condemned houses because you might wind up in some black liquid with a raging hard-on. We're dipping our toes back into the halcyon days of the alphanumeric distribution company when they used to release ultra-cool and unique indie films before they became pretentious cocksuckers who think they're worth billions and have forgotten about the little people. Speaking of little people, let me bring in my good friend, Mr. Matt LaPlante. We are talking about Under the Skin, which came out the same year as a movie we did back in November, The Rover Did, which was brought out by A24, who we now have a vendetta for. Yes. Good year for them. Right? That was back when that A24 would come up, and you're like, oh, this is going to be a really good independent film, much like in the 90s, and we've discussed this before on and off our podcast. When Miramax, you saw that come up, you'd be like, oh, this is going to be a good independent film. You knew that there was going to be something good about it. No, they're not all great. Some are duds. But for the most part, when you saw Miramax back in the 90s, even early 2000s, you thought, okay. 
this is going to be good because they obviously promoted be Tarantino different. to begin with. He was their poster child to start with. And you just were like, all right, here we go. It's going to be good. And same with A24 when they first started up. You were like, oh, all right. Now we've got fucking groups devoted to them, people worshiping them like they're fucking Jesus Christ. Like, folks, most of brand. the stuff they do. They branded. They branded. They branded most themselves. of the stuff they do is they distribute. They don't produce many of them. Or if they do, they do on the back end and give the extra funding after the movie's been made. To help, you know, uh, finish up editing or uh, help with the promotional aspect of it. They don't make them. They're not A24 movies. Please, please stop that term. I'm asking you politely. That's a fucking stupid term. They don't make them. The directors make them. It's their films. You did not see it's a Miramax film. It's a Quentin Tarantino film. It's not a Miramax film. Miramax was the company that helped to produce in some instances and distribute. That's what A24 does. So take a deep breath. Yeah. Step back off the Don't edge, put A24. down the Kool-Aid. No A24 vibes. That's the dumbest no. thing I've ever heard. Yes, A24 yes. vibes. No, you're, you're fucking idiots. Like, you're doing, like, handlebar mustaches now, and you're riding a unicycle, and you're making your own Kim Joa and all this other bullshit. Stop being a fucking asshole, all right? Just fucking shut up. You don't know what you're fucking talking about. All they do is, is distribute the fucking films, all right? Know what the fuck you're talking about. Who gives you shit? Go see the movie whether it has an A24 knot. Doesn't mean it's going to be a good movie. Oh, no. Spring Breakers is fucking fantastic. Hey, it's part of the alphanumeric brand there. (laughs) All right? Jesus Christ. Anyways, Under the Skin is one of their, as I said, Halcyon days when they actually would put out different kind of movies. Not that they're not different now, but they were taking chances that this movie wouldn't have been probably distributed had it not been for them. And also, I know it's going to hurt some people, Sky. Sky is a distributing place over in Europe, so they also helped do it. I know. I know it's going to be hard for you to swallow. There wasn't just alphanumeric, but it wasn't. You'll be okay. All right. So, Matt, how did you feel about rewatching? Under the skin, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a very fun rewatch. I forgot some a, a couple of like pretty big parts of the film, but I I very much enjoyed it. And it is like uh, just the atmosphere of this film is very very good and just creepy. Very creepy. Did you know that most of this is filmed without people's knowledge? Most people didn't know yeah. they were being filmed. Half the the Until reason afterwards. it pretty much stars just one person. Is because a lot of what we're going to talk about, they had no idea. And again, I think I trumpeted the uh, special features on Baby Driver about the special features. I own this on iTunes, and the special features on this are fantastic. It breaks down a lot of the special effects that are on it. It talks about the camera, how they set it up. They show the whole inside her van that she drives in had like 23 cameras on it. And it's absolutely unbelievable. So there's no camera ops in the actual van like there's no the cameras were hidden within the dashboard and within the vehicle so everything was very realistic and felt very uh fly on the wall so i thought that was really kind of cool so those of you who are real film fanatics and not just like to say that you follow a brand if you really like film i suggest that you look into getting uh most of the movies you can with the special features and watch them that really opens your eyes and shows you the kind of attention to detail that films uh really go through to bring to life uh some of these amazing stories 
if you could see this, Matt has now in a new phase of his facial hair. He was George Michael bathroom solicitor <laughs> for a while, mustache. Uh, he shaved that Allegedly. down and looked like he might be trying to grow a beard, but that disappeared. Now he is in his, I mean, he's shy of some dreads in his hair, but I think we're in the Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean. I didn't uh, even think that. Jack Sparrow uh, <laughs> yeah, goatee yeah. right now. That's that's where we're at. So yeah. it's it's quite a transformation a that you're seeing. A lot of faces it, going on. It, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, my, uh, it's my way of uh, uh, my own pretend method acting. It's it's Im- it's impressive. Yes, it's just it's like <laughs> every you. month. Thanks. He's like, who am I? What character am I playing this who, month? Who oh, June. <laughs> I'm gonna be George Michael. July. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> We're in Johnny August, Depp. and it's Johnny Depp from Pirates Johnny of the Depp Caribbean. <laughs> no, um, no. To add to uh, with uh, you know uh, with uh, most of these actors, well, not even being actors, just being random people off the street actually being lured into a van which is kind of troubling uh, apparently and in scotland it's just like okay they're just like yeah let's yeah. fucking go let's go for it like <laughs> well, uh, i'm well, just gonna of, roll it's the how dice. easy that but here's the sad yeah. thing right so we're gonna talk about this really soon so i don't want to give too much away but it was interesting to see how Easily, men can be lured to a fan by a pretty face. Like, not even question it. Like, women, I think, even if there was, like, an attractive man would still be a little hesitant. They'd be like, I don't know. You're, like, one of the number one yeah. killers of women. It's men, it, so like, we um, might not get in. Men were like, are you attractive? I'll get in. What, I don't, what, is there a body on the other seat? I don't care. I'm just going to sit in there, you you know? So. Yeah. <laughs> what was, uh, what was his name? Oh, fucking God damn it. Uh, the one fucking serial killer. Zach Efron played him. Was he Ted Bundy? Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. Ted, Ted Bundy. Bundy. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, um, it's amazing that like so many of those people weren't actors, and then really the only people that are actors in this film are the name ba- the bad man, the motorcyclist. Yeah, and yeah. the gentleman that has the facial deformity. Yeah, and they had to hire that motorcyclist so that there was actually someone who was a professional bike rider, so they <laughs> yeah, could drive the, through the the, the yeah. mist and stuff of, of of fucking Scotland. Two two burns, one stone. They got there. They're like, yeah, we need a motorcycle. We might as well hire a professional because then we can use him for all these amazing shots that we're gonna get with him on it. So, like these poor unsuspecting bastards, we're gonna jump right into this. A mysterious young woman seduces lonely men in the evening hours in Scotland. However, events lead her to begin a process of self-discovery in Jonathan Glazer's sci-fi thriller, Under the Skin. Jonathan Glazier, as I just said, is the director, and he co-wrote this with Walter Campbell. Jonathan Glazier has not done a whole bunch of films, but one of his more noteworthy ones well is known. one I really enjoyed is Sexy yeah. Beast. 
Sexy that was, Beast that's is a awesome. very good movie. Yes, I feel like they made that recently into a fucking TV show, and that totally didn't need to be made. Most likely, it, most likely it sucked ass. Yeah, yeah. There's no need to make is that. That was a movie that didn't the only need. time a TV show that's based on something has worked out so far, in my opinion, that I've been able to watch is the Fargo show that was yes. on FX because it's just uses a lot of the tropes of Fargo, has a lot of the storytelling ideas, and even ties into the movie in certain in certain seasons. But it's not about the same Fargo what you witness in the movie so we don't follow those characters those characters never come back into the realm again there's moments that I don't want to give anything away if Matt if you've seen it, especially since you and McGregor season season three the events of the movie tie in but again nothing is about the movie so you you know it's hard to take a movie and stretch it it's just not it's just not gonna work you yeah, know it's it just, just doesn't. like uh, I think I complained about it actually back when we did the rover when I talked about Animal Kingdom Yes, yeah, so they put the on film TNT. Was fantastic, yeah. and then they fucking made it into an awful TV show on TNT. Ellen Barkin was good in it, though. She 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 yes. was good. She she was hot, but she was good in it. She actually she did the the mother character justice, at least in you know the realm of where they're trying to go with it. But yeah, it was just like. Mm. But did she win an Oscar? No. Well, you know you can't win an Oscar TV. I don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> <laughs> hey Johnny Depp, I'm not sure they, if you know. They it or give not. a give a Golden Globe. That's about it. Now, this star is basically Scarlett Johansson. It's just really her. But the other people who get their credits in it are Jeremy McWilliams, Dougie McConnell, Kevin McAlidden, Andrew Gorman, and Christoph Hazel. It was made on a budget of $13.3 million and only grossed seven point three. This was a hit or miss. This came out early and really feels like it's crazy to say, but even though it's seven years ago, Scarlett Johansson was still, and I mean no disrespect to her, was more eye candy than the actress that she has become known for now. Oh, yeah. Like, is he, that fair to say? Can, like, I don't yeah, mean that to say that she like, can't uh, act because she can. But back then, she really was even eye that, candy even, in that. Even Marvel was used her. Yes. Her, oh, yeah. When they introduced Iron Black Man Widow. Too. Yeah, and they're they totally trying her, to yeah, like, ensnare Tony. There a, yeah, there was a th- someone did a, a like a side by side of like every performance for up until just her solo film now, and how she slowly had not like been re- so revealing of a character. It's like no, at first you definitely let's not pretend you didn't do what you did. You were using her to yes, attract yes. more male so, yes. audience, and you like straight up used her almost as like a secondary. Loved it. Interest of Tony Stark. <laughs> yes. That never came to fruition. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was reasons for that. Obviously, in the film, they were, they were trying to set it up and drag him in. But he'll never get rid yeah. of Pepper Potts. Anyways, the ratings, once again, they're all over the place, actually. IMDb gave it a failing grade at 6.3. So right off the bat, you shouldn't watch it because IMDb says so. Now, Rotten Tomatoes has a real disparity between its ratings. Critics loved it with an 84. Audiences with a 55. I don't think audiences knew what the fuck they were getting into. There's not a lot of dialogue, and most of the dialogue in the film is ad-libbed, pretty much started by Scarlett Johansson herself. And what we mean by that is basically, as we kind of alluded to, Scarlett Johansson will drive around in this basically panel van through the streets of Scotland. Literally the van that you like don't want to approach. Yes, yes. A van you would not approach because Scarlett Johansson is so attractive in it, <laughs> everyone approaches it. She actually drives around looking for lonely men, and those men who come up, they have conversations. She tries to lure them into the van, and it's after they go through the whole dance of that that eventually they're let alone to, hey, do you want to be a part of this film? I'm wondering how many different people they picked up were like, no, I don't want to be a part of the film. 
You know what I mean? Like they got in the van (laughs) or, or they're like, I was totally trying to have sex with this woman. I was hoping that was going to go the way. And if this makes (laughs) the movies, I'm in trouble because I have either a wife or a girlfriend. (laughs) They're like, yeah, no, I'm not. Nope. I don't want to be in this. (laughs) You know, and (laughs) probably (laughs) when the movie came out, people were like, Hey, did that, did you ever see this go? And but no, no, I know what you mean. No, she never drove by me. No, I never got to see that man. You know what I mean? You know, as we speak right now, seven years in the future from that movie came out, you know for a fact that there are men in Scotland right now who have definitely been approached by Scarlett Johansson and definitely got into that van and said, no, I don't want to be in the film because they would have been in some serious fucking trouble had that made the big screen and then had to explain. So now how this happened again? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Definitely a lot to talk about, a lot to explain. I think it worked in Scotland because I don't know how big of an actress she was over there. Yeah. So driving around America would have been like, oh, my God, it's Scarlett Johansson. You know what I mean? You wouldn't have. It probably wouldn't have been what it was over there where they're like, oh, they just think some, you know, hot chick is picking them up. And with the with the hair color change. Yeah, she changed her hair color dark. They make her dress. She just looks like. A regular everyday person. The top five reasons to watch this movie. Number one. This is a unique take on the stalker slash serial killer genre. This is not giving anything away. She's a mysterious woman who may not be of this world. We're pretty sure she's not of this world. That's a pretty good gamble. We're going to say she's not. You know what? She's not of this world. She's not of this world. She's an alien. And she is here to feed something, which we're going to get into. But first, we're going to talk about this because... Even though it is basically a body snatcher type movie where an alien has taken over a human's body and is now basically pretending to be them like a chameleon, it really is about a stalker serial killer. It really it flips it completely because normally, like when we talked about Ted Bundy, he would drive around or all these serial killers try to pick up ladies and then end up killing them. This was unique because not before had we had a female driving around, you know, stalking men, trying to pick them up using any means necessary to try to bring them back to their place and then killing them. The disturbing part about this isn't that, you know, that we flip this on its head. It's how easy targets men can be. If there's an attractive woman, she could kill a lot of men. Do you know what I mean? Like, honestly, if there's an attractive woman, she could go around the country pulling the same fucking stunt and men would fall for it and would be killed in the thousands. Not not a couple. In the thousands. And honestly, when men disappear because they seem to do it a lot from their families and other people's lives, just walk away and ghost everybody. Oh, and he just couldn't handle it. Would people really look for us? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, like when, when a certain type of women start to disappear in a town, people go, huh. But when, you know, five, six men just start disappearing and you go over town to town, people are like, eh, that guy was an asshole anyways. You know, <laughs> there's no Amber Alert looking for Steve who's a fucking dickhead. You know, like you could really, a woman could really pull this shit off if she really wanted to. And now I feel like we're giving them, if you do and you get arrested and you took our advice here, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. you know, we don't mind a little plug that you got the idea. <laughs> Any press is good press in my opinion. <laughs> Oh man, now maybe it's just uh, Scotland because uh, during the filming of this, they actually one of the locations they filmed grabbing a victim at. They had to delay a number of days because there's a real life murder that happened in the next <laughs> street to them. Yes, so but that was most like, likely man on man violence just or something. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, whatever. <laughs> like there, nothing was stopping them from like, okay, someone died right over there. Like, oh, like hey. Scarlett Johansson in a van. I'm going to go talk to this van now. I don't care that somebody died over there. Like, fuck it. 
cops don't know as much as I know. Yeah, but how many men in the film, even though the ones who didn't get in the van and the ones we don't ever get shown getting in the van because they didn't sign the waiver to be, be a lot of film. B-roll. A lot of B-roll. There had to be dozens, they had if to not more. stake out all day long to get everything to fall into place. Well, what they did is they, they checked the location, but she would just drive around like you see in the film. That's the great thing about it is she's driving around in the film the entire time. She's looking for men walking by themselves to talk to. And the disturbing part about it is so many of them were eager to just come up and talk to her. Because obviously, let's be honest, an attractive woman is the quickest way to disarm a man. It just is. It's just this DNA built into us that all of a sudden we're just enabled. We ha- All our defenses are down. <laughs> There's no... Ru- no red flags, no red lights flashing, which is like, oh, a pretty girl wants to talk to me. I'm going to go talk to her. And all these gentlemen kept coming up to talk to her. If she had been a real kind of sicko, she could have just shot them in the goddamn face and dropped them right there in the fucking street. You know? I mean, it could have been that easy. And no one would have been like, we need to be looking on the lookout for a woman. Someone would have thought, there's a guy on the loose, it's a man. No one would ever have assumed it was a female. No one. It was very kind of chilling to see how susceptible men truly are at being lured into a fucking van. Like, when women get lured into a van or a car, I think the man has to be attractive or has to set them up for some kind of, like, stupidity. Kind of like in the Silence of the Lambs where, like, he... Uh, can you help me help put this yeah, couch in my like, arms? Broke or something. Like, you have to really, really come out of the 14. box. If you're trying to get kids in, it's toys or, an, like, animals and candy or some shit like that, ice cream. But when it comes to... Men, you just have to be somewhat attractive and say hi and just like just blink your eyes at us in a nice way or even give us an inkling that maybe in some random fantasy of ours you're gonna have sex with us. We'll get into any vehicle. We might even crawl into the fucking trunk without even being coerced. And you could kill us so quickly. Like it was really alarming how easy we are. Pull pull Mr. Blonde afterwards, go to the drive-thru, get some fucking food. But it made me think like why haven't women done this? You know, like, maybe they're just better people. They have to be better people than us. In some some respect, they just have to be. Yeah, definitely. If they weren't, men would be being killed by the thousands. Like, by the thousands. We are easy targets. That was what I learned. If you could travel back in time, give this information to, like, Genghis Khan. <laughs> like, you Oh, I mean, we've had the ability to kill women with no, with zero qualms for whatever reason. Fucking Salem witch trial. I'm surprised women want anything to do with men as it is. We are like easily the number one or number two cause of death for them. You know, like think about when a woman goes out with a man for the first time, there is at least a 50-50 chance that she could be killed by that man. That's not the same for men. There's usually maybe a 3% chance that you're with some crazy woman who may kill you down the road if you piss her off at, at some point. Very rarely are you going to get killed like monster style. So, but this movie opened my eyes up. It's just very disturbing. But it was awesome to see a different version of a stalker slash serial killer film. Because when you watch it from the reverse, when men are doing it, you feel creepy. You know, you feel a little bit like, oh, you know, like, you know what they're going to do. It's usually you're worried like, oh, God, they're going to rape them, too. You know, like it's all these horrible things. But yet when you flip it and a woman's doing it, she's so nice and she's being so kind. And when women flirt, they're not nearly as creepy as men for the most part. You know what I mean? Like, they're not like, hey, honey, or, you know, all this shit. She's like, hey, how you doing? You know, you live close by. Like, it's so unassuming, so nice. It's so warm and welcoming and you're easily melted away your defenses fall instantly and the next thing you know you fucking dead with a heart on <laughs> yeah oh definitely that's exactly what happens yeah no it's it's um it's definitely a very good take 
um, the whole stalker, serial killer like film with like in this way, like it uses like the cinematography and the sound to make it unsettling. Yeah, the music is yeah, it's really it's good. Like really, so really good. Fucking yeah, good. it's and and it continues. It doesn't change throughout it. No, like, it's not. It's a it horror. It's also a horror film. It really is a mental horror film. It's yeah. really good. And then at the same time, again with uh, you know, just right here comparing uh, you comparing like men as killers to women as killers. This also kind of shows uh, a being that doesn't understand what humans are fully so when it kind of starts to slowly figure out the nature of humanity through these encounters that it has until it kind of starts to eventually start to get some other different encounters that make it see different sides of humanity and extremely different sides of humanity uh, let me take that back Mm -hmm. it gets to see extremely different sides of humanity in the way people react in situations when they're thrown into them number two and that is scarlett johansson's phenomenal performance as a alien in a human's body it's hard to tell from the movie if she is part human and part alien like a human who doesn't understand that there's uh, something inside them until like maybe the alien takes over. It's hard to hard to tell. I think part of the reason that is is because the way they film this movie, where she is basically going undercover without people knowing and trying to pick men up, she's very personable in it. And then when she's not actually interacting with those men, all of a sudden she goes straight, just like you know, almost like robotic. Like she has no emotion at all. Yeah, it's definitely like she um. It doesn't fully understand what she is. I think that's part of it, but you know, but the way she had to play it makes it a very interesting portrayal because in order for her to lure those men in, she couldn't be robotic and be like, Would you like to <laughs> sit on the seat? You know what yeah, I mean? Like, like she couldn't be like, you know, have really zero bad. communication skills. So when she's driving around looking for them, she keeps it very cold. When she pulls up next to them, she's you know talking to them when they're in their vehicle with her. She's talking to them, asking questions, questions that a normal human being would ask a person. It's when we get to the moments of driving or when she lures them in to something we're going to talk about in a little bit. She then goes into this very robotic, cold, almost you know calculated way of being, and it's different than when she talks. You know, when it was written, probably didn't have this thought out in their head. But I just thought that the way that it had to be played was an interesting portrayal. And that she pulled it off masterfully, you know, once she goes into what you're talking about, is when she does have a bit of this uh, awakening, you know, it's almost as if they're like symbiotic. Like the alien that is yeah. taken over, that is underneath the skin, there's a reason she's there. There's a reason she's here. But when she's also talking to people, she's very human. It's a very human reaction. It's almost like maybe she doesn't realize she's been possessed or her body's been snatched, so to speak. Do you know what I mean? Like there's almost like two levels of consciousness between both entities and neither really knows when the other one takes over no there, there definitely is and um I, I feel like she fully doesn't understand the human aspect of like what she is now taking over so like she doesn't quite under she's starting to like it's like so her interactions are very like not minimal but um like like yeah almost childlike 
like she's almost like, awkward almost yeah, um like she's like, almost like a teenager who's for the first time yeah, is like gonna it's, experiment it's, with yeah, like yeah her being like she's being like this supposed to be like using like seduction as her power pretty much to like yeah. persuade these people in she doesn't really know even the basic dialogue to give like the way and she's like kitty with it like She's even like smiles and is like well, especially when she's not using it for the way she, the reason she's supposed to right. use it. Yeah, because it's never gotten to that point. Yeah, it's been absolutely. it's been lure in, and then something happens, and then go back out and get more to lure in, and yeah, never exactly. get to where they think they're gonna happen. She's the true Black Widow here. No girlfriend, really. Oh, I don't have a girlfriend at all. Very charming. That's better. Yeah, sorted. You're handsome face. Aye. Yeah. Thanks a lot, cheers. You think I'm pretty? Aye, you're gorgeous. Do you? Aye, definitely. Good. I've got a nice smile, what about it? Do I? Aye, big thing. What about your smile? Aye. You've a nice smile yourself. Cheers. Her ability to lure men in obviously is twofold. It's because of the way they had to act it. It's the only way you're gonna, you know, you can't. <laughs> it's unscripted, so you're really trying to show that you can lure people in, and so she has to have that personality. So in that in that sense, and they then the movie then takes on a role of somehow that alien being is tapping into that psyche. What we should also let people know is she is used to lure men in as food. We're gonna explain what that's for. But she's also protected by people like her who have taken over men who ride motorcycles. And they have a singular purpose. Their singular purpose is to protect the identity of what they are and protect her in her completion of her task. They're there to make sure that she goes out and does what she needs to do. If somehow she disappears or something happens to her, they go find her. If something doesn't go right, they take care of it. They are no, they're not human at all. They just are in human bodies, but they have like, it's like they're being given a singular yeah, purpose. Like they're almost they, like, she's like the they're the, on like a, the queen bee and they're protecting the hive. Yeah. And they're almost like at a higher, uh, like information level. Like if it was like, uh, like if this was yes, just like yes. the military, like they know what her orders are 100% and they're, but they are privy to more information than she knows like even like in the way they're in their simple interactions that they have they handle it so well with extreme like no oh, absolutely at all um between them just in the body language that they give which you makes you think see. maybe there's like some kind of telekinesis as well yeah true because when we get to something in the end and they start to look for her it's almost like they're trying to find her with like a sense you know like there's there's not not a gps yeah, they're like, like literally like going e. like i think i know where she again, is only <laughs> really is. a lot of nudity a lot of nudity 40 percent of the film She's yes, male and female yeah. nudity, and Scarlett Johansson is full nude. Like we see Scarlett Johansson for the first time, she is fully nude, which I forgot about. 
<laughs> and was like, wow. She was asked about it, and she felt that it was right for the character. That's why she went with the dark hair. She wasn't trying to play it up as a sultry nudity. And the nudity is played as if someone is just like, you know, a human being knows when they're nude. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's almost like uh, whether you're, you're either overly comfortable in your skin or you're not very comfortable. Like, you don't want to show a lot of people what you look like or, you know, when underneath your clothes. She handled it like you're a deer. This is what I have fur and skin. Yeah. Like, this is just what I am. Like, it's nothing. There's nothing sexual to it for me. There's nothing like weird about it. This is just what I am, and now I'm gonna put on these clothes because this is how I have to, uh, you know, assimilate myself into this world that I'm trying to <laughs> snatch people to snack on from. No, yeah, definitely, yeah. It's almost like, uh, like she knows, like, okay, that these people that I'm taking in want to see me nude. Like this is part of the seduction act. Her character doesn't fully understand, like, what nudity means and later on in the film she starts to finally figure that out and we'll talk about that more later yes she's kind of like a venus flytrap she gives off the aroma to sneak to grab the fly in and as soon as the fly lands on the sweet nectar it realizes it's never getting that sweet nectar it's getting fucked up (laughs) and that's exactly how things kind of turn out there's a scene when she's kind of um, in that journey we're talking about where she trips and falls. Oh God, that became a meme so bad. Yeah, because the longest time people actually thought that Scarlett Johansson tripped. Like she was like walking around yeah, and just no, tripped and fell, you, not knowing movie, that it was actually yeah. intentional. So the yeah. movie came out, people exactly. had no fucking idea. Oh, my God. Yeah. They just thought so, Scarlett Johansson. And even in the movie, you see the way they film it. People yeah, don't know who oh she is. God, it's like she Candace. trips. They help her up. She doesn't say a fucking word to them. They're all looking at her like, are you all right? And she starts walking again. And you can see the two guys who help her kind of like walking next to her for a minute. And not because they're like creeps. They're just kind of like confused. Like this woman fell. They helped her up. They're not 100% sure she's okay herself. You know, like she might have some kind of mental problem or might be sick. So the way they look at her as she's walking away is just like classic. Because once you learn, now those of you who uh, are listening to this will now be armed when you go watch this. But when you see her trip and fall, now that you have the awareness that these people have no idea. It's almost like a candid camera shot. They're like, what the fuck is happening? Why is this lady now? He was the audience member can be like, sit there and enjoy it because you're like, they have no fucking idea yeah, that they're on camera or that this is all set up. No, not a clue at all. Now, now you know where that meme came from. I remember for the first time watching this and seeing it and being like, oh, that's what, that's where it came from. The real cool thing is, obviously, they shoot it, and then they went in and did an insert shot where she looks like she's hovering above the cement. Like, her hands don't touch the cement in the the close-up shot. So they do a great job of showing her trip. Obviously, we don't see how she falls down, and we get that tight shot of her with her hands above it and her face. She is not touching the ground. She's hovering. So she has also some kind of powers there as well. She's able to control her own gravity and body weight yeah, like after falling. Almost like the, like a defense mechanism. Like to yeah, and herself. then they help her up in, a, in the wide shot, which obviously by then, when they're helping her up, we've moved away from that shot. So it seamlessly looks like she tripped, hovers, and is helped up. And then their facial expressions almost play into it even better because the way it's put together, it's almost like <laughs> so they good. watch her fucking hover. <laughs> it's, just <Yeah>. kind of <laughs> it's so, so good. They yeah they they totally they definitely I, I would imagine that or the fact that they're just confused by the way that the, that it carries through and she just continues to walk as without her, saying a her word walk, her walk we'll do a side by side comparison of like the way she perfected her walk for this character to like Ryan Gosling perfecting just the way he walks and drives yeah the simple central story idea of the film this alien becomes sort of infected with the sense of identity. I wanted that character to be in disguise. I liked the idea of taking somebody who was well-known and putting them in disguise. And that had to be, how do we shoot that? How do we 
let's do that with hidden cameras. Let's do that so we can really film her walking down the street and nobody knows it's her. For me, it was absolutely thrilling. When we first started doing that kind of covert stuff, you've, you know, you become incredibly self-conscious. All those things are just kind of life happening around this character. Scarlett's character was interacting with real people who were completely unaware they, that they were in a fictional film. We were shooting half an hour unbroken takes of improvised dialogue with eight cameras simultaneously, which is like a feature's worth of photography. We had to build a whole ecosystem that's basically all the components of a camera that could either be stuck together or separated and used in a number of different modular ways. And you've got nobody shouting action, cut, reset. You know, none of those normal constraints exist. The set is there, you're in it, but the rest of it all comes from the outside and reality. In the uh, nightclub and in the shopping center, we were filming the people and her with these uh, hidden cameras. Our character was dropped into the real world, and we were, at that point, documenting what happened. The whole idea of putting Scala in disguise as a Trojan horse, you know, putting her in there undetected. You're taking the film to people, you know. You're rather than bringing people to the film, you're taking it to people. It's quite intoxicating. You could easily get lost shooting like that. Jonathan was able to kind of capture life on film in a way that I don't think anybody's ever really seen before. That striving for uh, authenticity and reality, that was his sort of barometer for it. You start with a feeling, and then, and then you grow images out to try and describe that feeling, and then you try and turn those images into a story. What it gets you, again, is something that you have almost never seen in cinema. And as we were alluding to earlier, there is a reason for her to be here on Earth, in Scotland of all places, and why the bikers yeah. are protecting her. And that's the third reason you should watch this movie. Number three. And it's the alien killing floor. Now... When I first watched the film, I thought she was the one devouring her victims. Same. But she is not. No. There is something else at play. I don't even think that they eat. Or if they do, they get whatever their nutrients, you know, whatever we want to call their food level through whatever this being is. Like, it's very, it's so well done. It makes you think. It doesn't give you any answers, nothing but questions, yeah, which is cool because it. that's great sci-fi. When you can kind of start to make Just your own idea and, up. Yeah. And, yeah, then it, it it builds up into so much more than uh then just if, if they simply summed it up in this film, I think, I don't know. I don't think I, I would have probably liked it as much. I agree 100%. Another question that leaves is why does it only want men? She doesn't go after women. She only seduces men. And the reason she seduces them is she needs to bring them back to these dilapidated buildings. And there's a couple of them around. And somehow inside these buildings, there are some form of Alien has like occupied. It's almost it's occupied, but it's like on a different but time in yeah, space, it, yeah, an almost dimension like almost like kind of thing. Completely interdimensional. Like once you get yeah, because in there. everything is solid built around it. But the minute they walk in, and this is how good she is. It's like and I got to give a lot of credit to yeah, because they walk into these dilapidated houses, and she's luring them in, and it's almost as if they can't help themselves. They follow her in, and she slowly starts to take off her clothes, and she rarely rarely gets down past into her underwear. She's usually just in her underwear by the time she's leading these guys in. And they bring them in and it, there's no, you can't see anything. It's just pure dark and the floor is like black glass and all you see is reflection. And a lot of times they shoot it from underneath and we watch them walk. And you got to give credit to the gentlemen who were brought in who were not actors. 
they come in and get undressed as well, and they are fully erect. Like it's not, it's you know, we don't get flabby. It's yeah, the, like the, the hard on one, the fucking first city. The first, dude is the first full, two, two are fully yeah, first two until we get to the guy with the face. <laughs> first two guys, and I feel bad for them because I like, <laughs> at the same, I'm like, I, I think I'm like, man, were they just not as actors? Like they're not prepared to be like an actor. Like if you see like anybody like uh ben affleck or anybody like yeah. he, he's he, he goes nude harvey keitel in the piano like he, they don't have erect penises they're actors they're like okay we're used to this even if we've never done it before we know how to act so that i'm, I'm not going to get physically turned on during this scene i feel like in a lot of other movies it'd, it'd be extremely off-putting in this film it works in a weird way because of the well, it works because it really does look like that in, she's just seduced him. Yeah, yeah, and they can't help themselves. But it's it doesn't stop totally, there for these yeah, poor like, gentlemen. Uh, they have to walk across this floor, and there's a, again, I'm going to sell the uh, special features. In the special features, they talk to the cinematographer how they did this, and this is all done on a soundstage, and it is black glass, but there's a spot in the floor where it actually opened up, and these guys can walk in, and the water level changed. Bladder involved to push out air, so it doesn't, so that the water itself, the black liquid, you know, wouldn't rise up onto the actual surface. So it all would stay level. So it looks like you're walking into the floor. So as she's walking backwards, luring them in, all of a sudden they would, they start walking, and the floor sinks. This, they look like they're walking to black liquid, and they continue to walk until they are covered over their heads. Essentially, it was always this uh, kind of. Uh Namiscus floor, if you like, that the that the victim would sink into and she wouldn't. And in that sense, obviously, we knew immediately that um, the victims would need to sink into a liquid, and a liquid would be shiny. Um, and so we thought the best way to uh, get the, the the great contrast would be a reflection. Um, and John was, you know, as with all the scenes, keen to shoot all of it in camera. Um, and what couldn't be created would need to be enhanced, but the mantra, the dogma is always to shoot something, never to shoot nothing and create afterwards, you know. Um, so I built a stage floor that was black glass, basically, and then within that was a tank of the black liquid, within which was a platform um, that once the actor started, or the, the victim started walking onto, it sank. Um, with a bladder inside it which released air as they went in to counteract the Archimedes effect so that it didn't flow over onto the floor. We get to see one time what happens to them when they go under, which is fucking oh, awesome. so intense. And so once they go under, they're eating. All that's left are their clothes on top of this black mirror, which is awesome. And then she walks off and goes to get some more. And that's basically what she does is she goes out. Drives around at night, looks for men who are solo, men who are willing to come in. She really talks them up, chats them. They go back to her place. She says to them, you know, my place is just a little bit away. I think she told one guy, it's just a half hour away. And he was just like, fuck it, I'll go a half hour, three hours, whatever. Yeah. Whatever, I feel they like I'm getting care. in this. What I give those gentlemen credit is when they walk, they're staring just at her, fully aroused, and they, they just keep walking. And even when they walk into the water, they do a great job of they not looking going. down. Because no. your first instance would be to look down. But they are so mesmerized by her. They keep her their eyes straight. They walk right in until their heads are covered. And I'm imp- I was impressed. You know, once you find out they're not actors, you, you have to have a little bit of a level of appreciation for their ability to... One, Scarlett Johansson's walking in front of you. Walking by. Your dick is hard as a rock walking towards her. Not only that, you have to keep your face completely, almost like yeah, you're in a trance. You don't need to look. Can't look down. The gorgeous Scarlett Johansson's in front of you. You've got to get naked. 
You've got to be aroused. You've got to look straight. You've got to look like nothing is, is weird. And then you've got to go underwater. That was impressive. To the, the young gentleman in uh, Scotland at the time, congratulations. You earn a little nod from us that that was some true acting. Maybe my, the best acting we've seen so far. My favorite one, I'm going to say, is the, the gentleman that adds in the dancing. So good. The first guy she gets. Yeah, yeah when he's, when he's like dancing. Dance. Yeah, oh my God, <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. The guy she picks up at the club. Yeah, it's so funny when he's dancing. I mean, he's like, he doesn't give a fuck where he is. No, but that alien killing floor is so cool. The first time you watch it, you're just kind of blown away by it, and you think it's her. But once you realize that whatever this entity is that is luring men in, she's the Venus flytrap. And the men, the one guy especially, you know, watching her, he's the worker bee, will keep her safe and keep watching after her. So when we first see meet this motorcyclist, he rides on a bike, he pulls up along the seaside, goes down this hill, picks up what looks like a dead hooker. And just a dead, yeah, prostitute, I assume. <laughs> picks her up, they go into this truck, and within this truck, it's like all white. And so Scarlett Johansson strips her down, she's naked, strips her down, and, and gets into her clothes. She's literally listed as the dead girl. Yeah, she just is listed the as the dead girl. <laughs> they're not a prostitute, they don't even, they're just like, it's just the dead body that, during the beginning. That was cool, too, because that was in, like, a different... It was in, like, a white room. Inside this van, though. And, like, the back of that van. So it was kind of like... It opens up again to, like, another dimension. Yeah, like, some kind of... It's almost like some kind of spaceship or... You know what I mean? There's there's definitely something something different. Which, again, like we said, is what's cool about this uh, movie is there's nothing given to us. We get nothing. There's no exposition. There's no title crawl or anything that says this is, you know, what we can expect. We're just thrown into this and we learn as we go and we get to decide for ourselves what we think is going on. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I saw it, I wasn't even thinking half the things we're thinking now. You know, like I just watched it. I was like, oh, wow, that's very cool. And then after watching it subsequent times is when I started to build this awareness of like, oh, I think this is what's happening. I think this is what's happening. The way we are getting inside that alien's head is by looking at us as if we were a foreign object. We wanted to present the idea that this alien entity wanted us for something, but what exactly they wanted us for wasn't necessary. You can't show an alien entity, it's not possible, but you can allude to the to one, you can allude to the idea of it, or the feeling of it, the dread of it. She's not really a she even, is she? She's an it, and she is, it is. Um, uh, a force. It's it's a dispassionate. Uh, it's a dispassionate entity. It's it's like the sea. You know, the, the, the craft was her. You know, the spaceship was her. Um, the body is craft. I mean, that's very much the sort of a central uh, idea in the in the film. Um, the paradox of body and soul. You know, um, and uh, so that was our science fiction. She's our science fiction. Number four. And that is the seaside sequence. It is my favorite moment in the film. It is the most distressing, <laughs> the most horrifying. And then finding out that this film was shot the way it was, it made me want to ask a lot of questions. Obviously, what I'm about to tell you didn't it probably happen in the film, but man, it is hard to hard to really swallow to figure out what happened. Oh yeah, the two the worst parents ever. Worst parents. Oh, and we're definitely talking about them. They deserve what they got. So, Scarlett Johansson's character is on the beach. There's some guy from uh, Czech Republic. He's decided to make his way to the coast of Scotland. And he's there, and he's out swimming. And he comes back in, and he's just tenting there. And she's talking with him and trying to get him ensnared in her trap. 
In the distance, what we're watching is is there is man and woman on the beach playing with their dog. I don't know if they're throwing a stick. I I think it looks like they're throwing a stick or a ball. And the dog is going out and bringing it back in. Well, the sea is really, really rough. And I can only assume because the camera doesn't move. So my assumption is this, is that there is a boat just past the frame of our camera that is able to keep these people from dying, to include the dog. However, what's in frame, we watch the dog get sucked out to sea. And it can't swim back. Anyone who knows, you, you swim a parallel with it because yeah. it, it'll push you in. If you try to swim against a strong current, you get pulled out. And this dog is pulled out. So this woman, who was the idiot throwing the fucking stick, she jumps in the water and swims out to try to get the dog. All of a sudden, we start to notice like the dog disappears. And then she's out there in the water, and she's struggling. And all of a sudden, she looks like she disappears. And then That's the husband idiot. is swimming out. And at this point, the guy that Scarlett's trying to, you know, ensnare, he sprints his ass off to try to get out there. So he gets in the water. He's able to swim out far enough to bring the husband back in, who this fucking idiot has fucking. definitely lost the dog and the wife. They're gone. They're dead. They yeah. are drowned. They're done. He goes back into the sea to find them. Even after this guy saved him. So while he's out there swimming out to his own death, this poor guy, and this is what I mean by how they're just singularly focused and they're not really worried about human interaction, is she walks up and clubs this motherfucker on the head with a rock. Yeah, so brutal. And drags his ass to her vehicle and takes him. Now, when she does this, we hear this baby screaming bloody murder. She turns and sees the baby. Baby's 18 months old. Maybe 20? Yeah. yeah, I would say 18. 18 at the best. Yeah, Not even close to two. Crying its eyes out. Just crying its eyes out. Which is horrifying. And because they are emotionless and have a singular f- focus, she's dragging this guy who's been knocked out that she's now going to take him, toss into the floor of <laughs> the floor of hell, the dark pit of hell in there. They leave the baby there. Like, there's, you know, she has no emotional attachment for anything. It, does, it doesn't affect her. She just sees it and keeps going. <laughs> makes it even more horrifying. Kudos for the family who allowed them to use their child like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? This kid has like fucking is gonna have PTSD from this. Well, he was 18 months old. He probably didn't remember a thing. He watched it. He watches it now at the age of like eight or nine. And it's like, oh shit, I was with Scarlett Johansson. You know what I mean? Like he has no clue now. Oh wow, the black widow. All of a sudden, we have the guy, our motorcyclist, he goes back to the scene of the crime. And because she left behind traces of this man. Clothes and stuff. He goes back, grabs the clothes, packs up all his tent and everything, and, and puts it into like uh, something, I forget, it was a car, a truck, and he drives away with it. Now, the baby Still has there. wandered herself down the beach and is close to the fucking shore. Where the water's coming in. It's real close. And still crying. Yeah. This being sees Barking it, haunted. walks past it, doesn't is not worried about it, probably knows that it's a child, but it's not, not gonna help it. Later on, we hear a news report about this. And in the news report, the father washed up on shore. Nothing said about the wife or child. They're missing. So the wife and child are missing. Obviously, they don't know about a dog. So the man washes up on shore. He is drowned, but there's no trace of the child 
or the mother, which means that the child eventually got sucked out into sea and drowned as well. Like, it's a horrifying fucking scene that the yeah, first time through, you may not even really notice it, but it's fucking unnerving because all these things are happening. It's disturbing as fuck, yeah. It's super disturbing. Uh, and they're just so stupid, especially the second attempt that that guy makes. It's like knowing like that they have a child, like, oh my god, why? Why? Like, the dog's a lost cause. The woman like, shouldn't have gone after the dog gone. either. Neither the dog, you know, they should have known neither. better that they, they shouldn't have let that dog be out there at all. They should no how fucking severe that surf was there. No, nothing's able to no. out there. No, they should not have. And the fact that I mean, I don't feel bad for that woman for drowning. I feel bad for the dog because this poor ass got sucked out there because yeah. you know just playing. They probably fucking encouraged it. They probably yep. like, threw a fucking stick out. And yep, just like yep, like it, it didn't probably want to do it. And then it was like, oh yeah, oh let's chase it. Oh let me get saved and then I'm gonna really. I think I'm gonna make it through yeah. there. The well, kudos to those people, too, because whatever is going on, this is going on in the background as we're watching a scene. She's trying to seduce this man into coming with her to kill him. And meanwhile, in the background, all of a sudden, you're watching this dog's out. She's, like, running out of the water to save it. And you start, you stop paying attention to the people in front. You're like, oh, my God, what the hell is going on in the background? <laughs> the dog disappears. The water comes over. She disappears. And there's no child. You don't really see the child until after he's brought the father back in the first time, trying to save him. He literally dies himself and then you hear this child screaming and you're just like it's horrifying because once the father swims like you don't even see him anymore like he dies almost immediately when he gets back out in the water it's a fucking horrifying scene it's probably one of the most horrifying scenes in film because it feels so real like yeah that is, when you what, learn how this movie's made you kind of go this, fuck how do they so do disturbing. this it is that it does it's just like it's just almost like you're uh just watching the real-time camera film like uh oh what's the surf like in in scotland today in case you didn't know how powerful the sea is that will show you how powerful the fucking sea is and how quickly it can go bad and how quickly people can be drowned in in a moment's notice in the fucking sea but it also shows you don't be a shitty parent all right i'm not saying you know i i have pets i love my dog isn't that but if if i have a choice between saving my dog in this rough sea first of all, i wouldn't have let it go out there but anyways bad decisions all the way around she goes after this fucking dog you have a child that's more important. I know I know you don't want to see Fido drowned, but you're the one who let it out there. You're the fucking idiot, so you're going to have to just deal with this. You don't go rushing out. You know, it's like one bad sense of the... Then the fucking husband goes after her. Well, what happens if you it's drown, you dumb, fucking idiot? Dumb What's, move what? after dumb move. Yeah, it's so... I mean, uh, the no whole family drowned. so fucking idiotic. That's the crazy thing. In this whole movie, and no one's at fault for this, <laughs> the whole movie, the dog is drowned because the woman's a fucking moron and threw the stick out there. She drowns going to try to save the dog like an idiot the husband not thinking goes out to try to save her is saved brought back in and is so fucking dumb he goes out and drowns leaving this poor child to their own device and the the child goes into the sea and dies three humans and a dog die Die. and none of it has to do with anyone in the movie they all did it to themselves exactly these parents caused that all to happen fucking Idiots, and I'm glad that they're dead, except for the child and the dog. The mother and father were definitely not. That's what's like heartbreaking about watching that whole scene. It really gets to you because it's like, oh, first, no one likes watching pets die on a camera. At least we don't like fully see it, but just the eeriness and the music and the way it's shot just as it's unnerving for that. And then the the second, both shots with the baby, but the second one is really bad. Uh, It just really gets to you. 
Well, yeah, because you you know when they leave it the first time, he's he's pretty much up on the sand. And there's a part of you that thinks, well, someone's going to come by and find the child, and then we have to figure out how why this child's alone. And then motorcycle maniac man shows back up like a couple hours later, and that child's closer to the surf, and he's just like, I'm not here for the child. I don't give a shit about this child. I got to make this dude disappear. I don't care about this kid. And then part of you is like, oh, I wonder what happens to this kid. And like like a couple minutes later, in this you know you get this radio broadcast about this horrific event, and you hear that they only found the father washed by shore. So right away, we're like, oh, my God, they're all dead. Fucking idiots. Our special friend here, the alien that is under the skin, does have a change of heart. And that's the fifth reason you should watch this movie. Number five. She starts to realize that she is trying. Maybe she's trying to become human. She realizes she's not human. There's something happens where, like we were talking about, whether, you know, there's this break between the two of them. Like, you know, she taps into the human side of who she's uh, taken over and uses their abilities and their ways to lure men in. And then once it gets past that point, just has a singular purpose. It's when she decides not to give up. A gentleman, and we don't want to talk too much about him. We'll let you watch the movie, but it's a great scene with him. She decides not to let him die. It's weird. She comes downstairs, and she sees a mirror, and she just stares at the mirror, and there's just something that, and then there's like a fly that's trapped, and that just kind of like sets her off. It almost like it wakes her up from whatever her predisposed routine or purpose was, and she suddenly starts to realize, like, it's almost like when an AI becomes, you know, um, cognizant and suddenly realizes that it can, you know, make decisions for itself, and so she goes off the path and she disappears and drives away and suddenly like exploring and and realizing that you know is she human is she an alien you know kind of having this whole not really knowing what's going on it's like the two of them woke up like the two consciousness suddenly collided and connected yeah it's like she really is just finally uh well fully trying to understand herself in her her human body and so she meets a guy who at a, at a bus stop and he basically takes her home he's really nice to her at first you know at first you're like oh this is gonna be creepy i will say this the one weird thing about this about when she goes home with the guy is she's so weird like she has completely now lost all that charm that she had you know what i mean like when she's picking people up like now she's completely flustered like uh, she's in a real like almost tailspin because she doesn't know who she is what she is like she's having this real (laughs) this real i want to say almost like outer body of experience like she kind of like what's happening she's got wait almost like she's waking up for the first time so she doesn't really talk to the guy (laughs) and he just kind of goes about like it's normal that was the one weird part of the film is like she just kind of sits there with him she can't eat food because that's not what she does like she tries to eat some food she spits it out like she's a vampire yeah um, and it's just like he just kind of says like it's normal <laughs> you know I don't know how much of that is because she's hot and so he's like well you know what do I care you know but it's like the second day she's there part of her starts to tap into the human side and she starts to kiss this guy like almost starts to have seems like feelings like there's gonna yeah, be sexual it's feelings like she's catching feelings for him or like I don't know if it's that or like um like since she's been bringing all these people into the killing floor she starting to understand what they think is going to happen when they go there. And like, she's like, Oh, well, like almost like she's like, well, maybe this is like a gesture to him that I appreciate like yeah. what he's doing. And like, I almost do kind of like this person. And then that quickly gets interrupted by her discovering more of herself <laughs> or less of herself. <laughs> yeah. And the way you want to interpret yeah. it. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Open. He tries to, he tries to be under her skin and, 
can't. Like it just nothing's nothing's going in. It's almost like it's a wall. And that confuses her. So that's why I keep saying like she's like I feel like the two consciousness keep jumping back and forth between themselves. You know, like they're almost fighting for superiority uh, and control over this body because she sits up and she grabs a lamp and like looks down there like what's wrong yeah, with she it and inspects herself. Yep. Yeah. The lamp. And then just tosses it on the floor. <laughs> yes. And then runs off. And just, yeah. that's it. He must have been like, what the fuck's going on? We're not going to give away any of the ending. But what I liked about it is all of a sudden, you know, this guy, suddenly we realize there's more than one of them at least, right? Because all of a sudden, uh, there's three other motorcyclists that show up with him. And then they break up going east, north, west, and south, it seems to be like what they're, they're going to do. And they're searching for him. We obviously stay with the, our main guy. But then he never finds her. He never finds her. He's got like an idea where she's headed or where she might be, but he never finds her. And I thought that was just kind of cool how... It's like all of a sudden he realized something was up. Yeah, something went wrong. And again, it goes to that telepathy thing where they're like, they know they're in within range of her, but and in this part now they're like so far fucking out there in the middle of fucking nowhere that the possibility. I think they're starting to realize like you you got to figure then how many others that they have. Like you probably pulled in those other two. Well, to help yeah, look that for starts. With you. It makes you realize there's at least three others. There's yeah. at least three others in this. You know what I mean? And, so that's kind of like, yeah. whoa. And almost at that point, it's like he's like you wonder almost how much of them from them obviously being more intelligent life than us have maybe just factored in like, okay, well, we'll just take this as a loss regardless. We don't know where she is, but we just move on and keep going with our other prospects that we have out there. I knew it was never going to be a conventional uh, composer, somebody not from the world of doing film scores. It needed to be the interior of the character, it needed to be her, her experience expressed through music somehow. I didn't want to be telling the audience what was going on, forcing them into some kind of feeling. And the best way to do that was to try and relate to her, what she was going through and try and be realistic about that. Mika understood the character of Scarlet as a rebel. The stakes are very high for her, but she's going to do it, and she's going to go off into the unknown and take that plunge, you know? And that felt very, very correct to me. I'm not sure, like, a male composer would have thought of, uh, thought of it in those terms. The uh, end result of the music is kind of easily broken down, in my mind, into a few kind of thematic pieces of material. The symbols, in my mind, sort of relate to the cosmos. You know, there's this kind of almost Pied Piper-y bit of music that she seduces these guys with. That, to me, is almost more superficial. It's, like, functional. A lot of that is synthesised MIDI strings. It's really string heavy, fake and real strings, and uh, percussion and bits of flute here and there. My job was to do the things that you can't see. So just try and express her feelings, her experiences of love or fear or hate. If you feel anger or joy or something like that, it might be like a really intense feeling of that that subsides very quickly. So, for instance, in this middle montage bit, she sort of has this rush of 
having this feeling. She might not be able to decipher it. She doesn't know what it means yet. If it's attached to people, what it's attached to. She just sort of stores that up. And it was important to be simple and bold and clear with that. You're starting with that something that's a scientific, or it's kind of hard to gauge, and then it becomes personalised and warmed with these crescendo chords. She becomes more human. The music is warmer. It may even seem uh, over the top. It's incredibly emotional, and it just made sense not to go against that, you know, just go with it. You can really tell the story with sound and music. You can really find that fluid kind of path, how they join, how they, what they say, what they express together. No, it was Mika's voice, you know, Mika's response, emotional response to the character that I wanted to hear. It is that idea that you have some kind of attachment to her in some way connecting with the outcast. She's a rebel, you know, in a way. She's inspired by the experiences that she has and the feelings that she has to take action, and that's inspiring, isn't it? Our first is going to be our top five favorite body snatcher movies. Now, by body snatcher movies, I will explain. We're talking about movies where an alien has taken over a human being or is pretending to be a human being. Someone is pretending to be something that they are not. So, with that in mind, we are in our 49th episode. Mr. Matt LaPlante will lead us off with his number five body snatcher film. But with that, I will bring it to my number five being the, hun- oh, well, not the honeymoon, honeymoon. About a uh, newlywed couple that go and take their honeymoon on a lake country home. Um, and some weird shit starts happening after the wife uh, wanders off and gets disorientated in the middle of the night. It has Rose, uh, I forgot what her last name is, uh, but she's the actress. McGowan? No, she's the actress uh, from Game of Thrones that played Jon Snow's first love interest that he wound up marrying, the actor married in real life. I can't remember what her last name is. But a fantastic little indie film uh, almost could be a double feature with this. I see a lot of similarity between the two. But if you haven't seen it, Scott, you should definitely check it out. I have not, and now I will. My number five is Men in Black for Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> the bug-like so creature good. taking over the skin <laughs> of a human of a bug killer. And what I love about it is how amazing Vincent D'Onofrio He's is so pretending to not even be able to be in his own skin. Like, yeah. he is so good. He should have been nominated for an Oscar. I'm honest with that. Like, I know it's a Again. comedy, but he is so fucking amazing. Like, you really believe there's something has possessed Vincent D'Onofrio. Like, like this alien is wearing Vincent D'Onofrio's skin. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Uh, he just plays it so perfectly and such a great job. And the minute we did this, it was one of the first movies that came to my mind. I was like, oh my God, I remember Vincent D'Onofrio becoming <laughs> that guy and you know, pretending that he, he's wearing his skin and like it doesn't fit him properly. It's just so, so fucking funny. And even the first movie was good. The first Men in Black with Tommy Lee and Will Smith is really a really good movie. It's great. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio, man, he is underrated as a supporting actor. Think just think oh, he, about yeah, this he's here. underrated as an actor just like in, all oh, across yeah, the board. In general. Yeah, but just think right here. Oscar-worthy performances. Men in Black, Oscar-worthy. Full Metal Jacket, Oscar-worthy. Yes. The Cell, Oscar-worthy. Yep. So fucking good. And he did a great job as the Kingpin in the Daredevil so uh, show. Fucking big, big, scary man that dude is. Uh, yeah, 
with that, I want to bring it to my number four being Slither, the amazing James Gunn alien invasion film, I guess, about a really goofy small town uh, that gets an alien plague that turns residents into zombies. But man, the progression of some of these people getting uh, implanted with these slugs pretty much is fantastic in the way especially uh mickey roker who is so great in every little cameo that he gets with james gunn he always like just steals the show but he still shows in this at the playing like uh, elizabeth um what fuck's her name but yeah playing like a very uh, attractive actress's husband and we know what he looks like he is a goofy fuck and man he is fucking he's the the standout i feel like of all of them he kind of steals the show when uh he sets the bar for how they're uh, supposed to act uh when they become implanted with these weird ass fucking slugs but it's so fucking good and so fun sleeper hit my number four is a movie that came out in 1995 it was the film debut of the model mrs natasha henstridge it stars mr ben kingsley mr michael madsen alfred molina forrest whitaker and it is species where she is a hybrid alien, and she is trying to mate with a male human to then start a new, uh, basically world-dominating species that will take over. It's a campy kind of movie, but it has a stack cast, and it was really good. It had a really good premise way back in the day. You know, similar to what this is, where, again, it is, uh, you know, an attractive woman trying to basically lure men, you know, basically unsuspecting to their death with the use of sex. So, I really, really enjoyed it back then. I remember seeing it in the theaters, and yeah, it had like an amazingly stacked cast. You know, I mean, I just read it to you. It was crazy. Get a very uh, young Oscar winner later in her career, uh, Michelle Williams playing uh, yes. her as a child. So fucking crazy. I love that movie and, and all its campiness, but that's an underrated Michael Madsen right there. Right? He's not typecast. Yeah, this he's one. not playing. This is him completely off brand. And with that, I'll bring it to my number three. Uh, we're going to stick with the 90s here. So I believe this was 1999, and that is The Faculty. So fucking good. About a high school photographer witnessing a nurse's murder um, and then seeing her come alive again. And then the bizarre happenings that happen at that fucking high school. And it's so good. You got just ridiculous fucking lineup of people playing these high school kids. You got Elijah Wood, Josh Hartnett, like at like both of them in the midst of their well, early 20s playing teenage characters yeah. uh, careers. <laughs> you got fucking the T-1000 playing the greatest gym teacher ever, like football coach gym teacher. Yeah. Like he's so fucking good in it. Selma Hayek uh, playing the nurse. In just like a tiny fucking cameo role, a super underrated Rodriguez film. Oh, it's so yeah, you forget good. that he makes that movie. Yeah, yeah, I I forget all the time that it was made by him, and it's it's so good. It holds up to like as cheesy as some of the special effects in it are. Oh man, just like the goofy shit, like uh, them realizing that they can dry the slugs out with uh, the hack drug that they call it that Josh Hartnett's been <laughs> really all it is is just caffeine pills crushed up and he puts them inside fucking dick pens and sells them to kids at school <laughs> uh, it's so fucking great and it has the only cover of a Pink Floyd song that I will approve of and that is Another Brick in the Wall being covered by Lane Staley and like every member of Rage Against the Machine I think I know it's yeah, definitely right. Tom Morello and Brad Wilk playing drum or um, not Brad Wilk yeah, it's a Brad Wilkie plays drum. Comes yeah. Drum. And then I don't remember the bass player, 
from them was involved too. It's so good. Such a great cover. My number three stars Sharon Stone and Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's total recall for the, the little alien person inside the body of a human <laughs> so being. Good. That suddenly <laughs> you see it when its face and head opens up and you're just like, what the fuck? It's one of those more shocking moments in the film. The remake was, how about this? I'll say about the remake. The remake was better quality as far as film. You know what I mean? Like it was a better produced yeah, film. definitely. Because the original was very campy and then Arnold Schwarzenegger when he can't breathe and his face just terrible but yet but i like the arnold schwarzenegger version better the remake is better quality but the overall movie is better for the original i know that sounds kind of crazy but there's just something even though it's campy there's something great about the original than there is this and plus when that alien comes out you just it so throws you you're sure not ready for that fucking little thing to be in there you're just like what the fuck (laughs) <laughs> and anyone who is a fan of the TV show that was on Adult Swim, the Venture Brothers, they made a little spoof of that with Tiny Attorney. <laughs> it's a, little, it's a yeah. little attorney inside of something. It's just so great. So they did their own little spoof on the Total Recall uh, thing in that. It's so great. It's so great. With that, I'm going to bring it to a remake also. Well, a remake. Now, this is weird, too, because this has been remade. I think this is the second remake of... Then there was a third remake, I believe, later with Kim Basinger. But this is, in my opinion, the best version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1978 version, with Leonard Nimoy and fucking Donald Sutherland. So fucking good. About some uh, uh, aliens invading uh, San Francisco and replicating the residents into just emotionless fucking beings and it's so fucking good um i sure scott seen the other day that posting a a photo from this that i put on my story (laughs) the other day i fucking love this version it's better than the original it's way better than the kim basinger i think they called that one that just was called invasion i'm pretty sure but this is one where i would say it was warranted for a remake and the 78 remake is perfect and better than the original my number two is the first of two John Carpenter films. My number two, I'm going to give Matt a little hint. I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. It's Rowdy Rowdy Piper, so and they good. live. It's so, so fucking good. good. It's so ridiculous. Keith David's in it. <laughs> it's it's just a ridiculous film, but it's so fucking good. Like, I really do enjoy it. It's You know, Rowdy Rowdy Piper is perfect in that film. So perfect. He's this perfect in that down. film. The best fuck you, Dwayne Johnson. This is the best WWF wrestler being cast perfectly into a film right here. Nobody else has ever done it. Outside of this, it's all bad. It's all sucks next to Roddy Piper in this movie. <laughs> he is fantastic. And then just that little fucking line. It's just great, you know? And then he's got the glasses yeah, that he can see through the glasses that. It's fantastic. And the flannel. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, but he's perfect in it. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, it was a perfect fit for him, especially at that time. You know, Hulk Hogan had done a couple of movies, and you're like, eh, you know, outside of him, you know, being in Rocky, which he was good in. The other movies that he was out in, not very good. And then Rowdy just did this, and you're just like, man, this is fucking genius. And it was in the 80s, like 86, I think, 86 or 87, yeah. he came out with this. And it was fucking fantastic. And I absolutely loved it. And I have a feeling that next summer we might cover it. I'm just going to give everyone a little heads up. Well, Maybe next summer that. we might be covering this. And if you wear Obey clothing, you're wearing a brand that was built off of this movie that has tons of stuff yes. from this film, uh, including the name. <laughs> it's yes. literally taken from the film. 
So good. And the face of the Bay yeah. is fucking yeah. Andre the Giant, yeah. also a wrestler. So, yeah, there's <laughs> so a whole tie-in. Big tie-in. I'm going to assume that our number one is the same, because I already yeah. kind of pre-prefaced it, but go ahead. I think I'm going to call it here. So, our yep. number one is a remake from yes. Mr. John Carpenter being the thing. Yes. Aaron Kurt yes. And, man... It's kind of crazy because we are going to have, in the next couple of weeks, you're going to have a lot of Kurt Russell, possibly, and even a few uh, John Carpenters coming yeah. out. I just have this, I have this premonition have that, that we're going to tap into Mr. Kurt Russell and John Carpenter maybe in they, the maybe next couple of weeks. Maybe might join at the same time. And more than once, maybe. Maybe. More than once, maybe. <laughs> They did have a period of time where they really, really liked to work together. Yeah, they did two so great good. movies back to back. But yeah, the thing is amazing. So fucking good. Uh, the ending. Of In my opinion, this is the thing. Ended, I didn't like, see the original one, but this is this is the one. This is yeah. just brilliant. This is John. Yeah, taking the original and completely just building his own fucking world on it. For Christ's sakes, the hateful eight exists because Quentin Tarantino wanted to figure out a way to understand the thing, so he wrote a screenplay. <laughs> a western <laughs> trying to figure out what the fuck was going on in the thing because he still doesn't understand and, and a ton of it's up for interpretation I'm sure and he <laughs> cast yeah, Kurt exactly. Russell in the thing and I'm sure you and I well. both have different thoughts about you know who may be the thing when it reaches the end if either of them or the, the either character that's involved in the very end of the film is the thing but it's so fucking good it's some of the greatest fucking special effects work practical special effects well, much like this movie where they're both at the end don't know who it is, if either one of them could be, I like the fact that in Hateful Eight, I think it's Domergu because she's the one who kind of kicks everything off. She's the one who does some stuff that we'll yeah. talk about maybe in another episode. And so much like that where we, you, know, you think you've got them, I just do like that it lingers because in this movie, we both realize, especially in Hateful Eight, that the two at the end, they're not going to survive. Like It's over with. Even if they are, it doesn't get past them. You know what I mean? Unlike in The Thing where the two gentlemen live and now they're, yeah, they're, just out, they're there. out there. You know what I mean? Someone could be taking like it back to the world. Yeah. Just out, out die the other one <laughs> like and they're like okay we're both gonna yeah, sit right? here one of us could be it but we're both dead now because there is nothing left <laughs> the events that just happened have destroyed any chance of us surviving in uh inhabitable environment to begin with we have no way of living anymore and yeah we're done it's it's dying here with us regardless if one of us is that or if we're not so there you have it you have nine we didn't tie up till number one, nine body snatcher films to include this one, which would make 10 for you to check out. Now, our actor slash actress, which, as they say in the movie Once Upon a Time, is ridiculous and stupid. So our actor this week is going to be Miss Scarlett Johansson. We're going to do her top five movies. And, man, I forgot how many fucking movies she's been in. You know, like, after a while, you just forget. Like, you're yeah, like, oh, she's been, been the Black Widow. For so you know, like, long, feel like yeah, she's been the Black Widow forever. And at the end of the day, you're like, no. You're like, holy shit, she's been in a lot. So since this is an odd week and Matt just went first, I will lead this one off and Matt will close it out. So my number five is actually an animated movie. It is the SpongeBob nice. SquarePants movie. I love her in that movie where she is the daughter of the king, which would make her, I guess, a princess. She brings such charm 
to that that I bet a lot of people now listening to this have did not know that Scarlett Johansson was in that role because she is a major character. You know, she is uh, Neptune's daughter. She really is helping SpongeBob. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when <laughs> Patrick wants to show her, her on his underwear <laughs> and she tells him no. <laughs> it's just, I don't know why, it's just the way she says it. <laughs> but she is fantastic. She does a great job in voice acting in this. She was absolutely uh, spot on and pitch perfect for it. And it's not until you like really remember or look at the credits that you realize, holy shit, kids loved it and we loved I loved watching it. David Hasselhoff has a great a cameo, cameo in it as himself. Such a good cameo. And also uh, uh, Alec Baldwin is great as the villain. <laughs> He's fantastic in it. If you have kids or you were our kid or you remember that time frame, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie was fantastic and Scarlett Johansson is one of the reasons why. With that, I'm going to actually keep it in her uh, voice acting realm with my number five being her, with her playing the voice of Samantha, the AI that Mr. Joaquin Phoenix uh, forms a relationship with. So good. Like, her, her voice acting is fucking amazing. And in this, maybe it was uh, that prep uh, she got with uh, SpongeBob SquarePants movie that was ma- able to really make her <laughs> go full. Like, should we give an Oscar to voice acting uh, in this Spike Jones film? Because it's fucking fun fantastic i fucking love the movie her and i don't know anybody else that could have pulled off just steaming in there that well with uh mr joaquin phoenix he was so great too. Like, he did a great job acting with you know acting without really anyone there no, that's, that's no. A, not an easy go you know especially to admit emotion you know show that you're falling in love with an inanimate object let alone just a voice yeah so oh my god Crazy. My number four is a movie that came out in the last five to six years. It is Lucy, which I believe was done by uh, our rapist from one of our episodes, Mr. Luke Bassan. I believe he was the man who uh, created the movie Lucy. Yes, he was. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. This came out the same year. Holy shit, I just realized that. This came out in 2014 as well. And it stars uh, Morgan Freeman, and I love the special effects and the fighting in it. It had a very Matrix feel to it, especially as she becomes more and more omnipotent and able to control basically everything about herself and everything around her, um, basically tapping into the Matrix. But when she's able to freeze everything and fight people and they don't know what the fuck's going on, it was really well done. I really enjoyed it. I know it didn't get a whole lot of... um, praise and play from some people but Morgan Freeman was great and I thought she did a great job as an action hero and you know it was really along the lines of her ability to also be in the uh, Black Widow uh, character and in the Avengers definitely could see that yeah I think it was a a good step for her to help uh, perfecting her acting in action movies with that I'll bring it to my number four being a film that I just recently talked about and another list is Ghost World with her playing Rebecca if you listen to what episode forty-seven, I believe so. I'm trying to think what the yeah. um, graphic novels. Oh, Sin City. Uh, graphic novels. So, so, yeah, if be you Sin like graphic City. novels and you like Scarlett Johansson, go back listen to that episode. Watch Ghost World. It's fucking great. Oh, we're moving through this quick. My number three is her as Black Widow, but I think her best role as Black Widow is not the most recent movie. I think it's Avengers Endgame, much like Chris Evans' version of Captain America. Um, because she is, when we start this movie, she has taken over the Avengers. She is now in charge. So she's come a long way from her being the sultry sex pot who is trying to entice Tony uh, in Iron Man 2 to now running the Avengers. And then obviously, I mean, I think everyone's seen this by now, but just in case, spoiler alert, even her decision to yeah, sacrifice basically herself. commit suicide to sacrifice herself 
or to get that stone. So especially with her and Hawkeye, great, great fucking scene. But I really, really loved her in Endgame. She's not just a badass. We we've really you know broken down and now seen her for her you know true nature that she's just not this hardened sex pot uh, femme fatale. She has real depth and was you know was put in charge of the Avengers, which is pretty fucking awesome. So. Yeah, with that, I'll bring it to my number three being Lost in Translation with her playing uh, Charlotte, the neglected young woman that Mr. Bill Murray, a faded movie star that is now a whiskey ad man (laughs) in Japan, is uh, forming an unlikely relationship with. Uh, So good. I fucking absolutely love her in this. Bill Murray is fantastic in this. Sofia Coppola is an amazing director. I uh, I feel like this is kind of when she started to actually be fully recognized as a really good director and taken seriously. And I feel like this is kind of when Scarlett Johansson was like, they were like, okay, we need to look at her as a serious actress. I would agree. I would agree. However, what I'm about to say is probably not going to be along the same lines as yours. For me, my number two, and I know that not a lot of people liked it, and maybe because it didn't do maybe the Magna or the anime uh, justice as people would like, but I really did enjoy her in Ghost in the Shell that came out in 2017. I thought she was fantastic in it. I really enjoyed what they tried to do with it. Again, not being a die-in-the-wool fan of the... I mean, I, enjoy, I really do like that that anime, but, I, you know, for me, it's never going to look the same. Yeah, you, you know, could like never... It's, to, to, it's, it's to really hard to make it. Yeah. Duplicate it perfectly. Yeah, it's really hard. So, But I thought she did a great job. I thought she was great as the character, and I thought the movie overall was pretty damn good because it's taking on such a uh, you know a beloved uh, subject. Animation is easier to do, you know, like the budget on an animation compared to what they have to do, you know, with green screen stuff is completely different. Um, it would be like if you try to put Akira, which luckily they have, yeah. no one's ever tried to put Akira as a live action, you know. But again, that being said, if someone did, you can't expect it to look exactly like a comic book because it's hard because that's easy. The amount of money that goes into that is minimal compared to what it would cost to bring that to life. So, but I really thoroughly enjoyed her in Ghost in the Shell. No, yeah, Ghost in the Shell is great. Uh, funny thing with Akira is the one person I feel like that's been attached to possibly making it, I kind of trust, and that's Taika Waititi. And I've heard it bounce around like a few times and seen stuff about it and come and disappear. But that'd be absolutely great. And with that, I'll bring it to my number two, being a Taika Waititi film, Jojo Rabbit, with her playing Rosie, the mother that is hiding a Jewish girl in their home that her young Hitler-loving son finds out about, and it leads to some devastating and hilarious moments. Um, So good. It is my favorite movie from 2019. My absolute favorite movie of 2019. 2019 was a crazy fucking year for her, because she had two nominations that year. Uh, this and Marriage Story, and she just was just wild that year. I know a lot of people, um, you know, obviously she was great in Marriage Story. I know a lot of people are really high on her in that. And obviously, because, you know, very touchy subject matter. However, I would suggest that this, which is also my number one, being Jojo Rabbit, which is my number one also because you had this too. I would suggest that this may be the better performance because of what she had the depth she had to pull and play and it's just, I don't know, it's just beautiful. It was, she was so good. Her interactions with Jojo and the fact that she didn't go right after him and try to stop him from having these weird Nazi things where she almost let him figure out that he was wrong on his own. 
I don't know. There's just so much depth and beauty and things in the film that especially we will not talk about now because I know we're going to cover this at some point one day. But Matt knows what I'm talking about. But there's a moment in the film where something shocking happens and it's it just it just wrecks you inside and you're just like oh my god it's an absolutely gorgeous film it's an amazing film a truly great um satirical film too i really did love her in this and that's why i put it as my number one because you want to talk about stepping away from i mean almost every other thing on my list <laughs> besides her being in the movie is her in some form of action which i thought she was good in but i really felt like she really reached out with some real uh, acting chops with jojo rabbit yeah she's fantastic in jojo rabbit uh, but with that, I'll bring it to my number one being her other Oscar-nominated performance from 2019 in A Marriage Story. Her as Nicole, Adam Driver's wife, going through the breakup of a marriage and the breakup of a family is absolutely devastating. The two of them are so powerful together. It's insane. It's difficult to watch and get through it. It's not a not a fun film. The box it's a good day movie. It's a good day. Great day. Great day. It will really test test relationship here to see if you want to go the, the full commitment. Yeah, it is so powerful um, and so hard, to, like just heart wrenching, to see this couple progress throughout their entire relationship from when they you know were young and didn't have children to them having children to being happy to them living on two different coasts and friends together to them separating and living on two separate coasts and it's fucking devastating oh so good kudos to her in 2019 because she fucking killed it with this and Joe Dorado. Yeah, she's a fantastic actress. She has really shaken that stigma of early on in her career being a bit of a sex pot and then an action hero. She has really, you know, crossed into, you know, a realm of being a real true powerhouse actress um, that should be taken very seriously. And even though there's this fallout now for her with the House of Mouse, it doesn't really matter. I think she's going to be able to survive no, it. she'll and, survive it. And, yeah, I, I and she was done with them anyway. If they so. want to yeah, fuck over and, like, fuck people over on little bits of their contract... Good for her. Stand up against them. They got enough money. Take some of it back from them. Who fucking cares? I mean, the funny it thing is, gonna... is it's weird that these things happen because the two of them, they both got something out of each of each other. You know, it's always weird to see these things fall apart like yeah. this. You know what I mean? It is. It is. And it's like, they're like, oh, yeah, we don't need you anymore. And they're like, okay, well, I'll see you in court. <laughs> yep. Well, with that, we have nine. Again, nine. Scarlett Johansson movies for you to check out, plus this one making 10. So with our current movie, we have 10 Body Snatch movies and 10 Scarlett Johansson movies that you should check out. Next week, we have a very special guest coming on. We will not let you know who it is. You'll have to check out next week. As we are in our 50th episode, we have fucking made it to number 50. We may be talking about an actor and a director that we may or may not have uh, just a moment ago discussed. Uh, but you're going to have to check us out next week to see exactly who we have chosen to guest with us and what movie we have chosen for our 50th episode. So until then, watch this or die. So that will do it for this week's installment. Once again, we would both like to thank you for hanging out with us and letting us gush all over you about this movie. Now, we do hope that you will enjoy it as much as we have, so please let us know what you thought of this movie by reaching out to us on our social media platforms. Now, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Watch This or Die. Also, feel free to DM us your thoughts of this week's film. You can always give us your own top five list, tell us what you did or didn't like about the show, and even suggest some movies for us to watch. 
Now, we hope you will join us again next week for our next movie recommendation. And as always, I'm Scott Crosher. I'm Matt LaPlante. And until next time, watch this or die.